when we really look at the messages that we're carrying around motherhood and we do the inside work to clear them, then it opens us up to incredible things starting to be unleashed in our life. Hello there and welcome to the My Future Business Show. Hope you're doing really well. Tell you what, the weather where we are today is windy and blustery and I know that my next guest is in a location that's full of sun and summer. I oh, tell you what, I wish I was there right now. But uh, on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming author and coach Beth Ravelli to the show. Welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you so much. Yeah, I do love the sunshine. <laughs> uh, let, let's swap places now. You and I, we're going to be talking about uh, your book and your work called Blow Up Your Motherhood Clock, Finding Joy With or Without the Baby and How to Create Safe Spaces for Women Who Are On Their Way to Motherhood in a Way That Empowers Them and Helps Them Find Freedom, Joy and Power Along the Way. Now, that is a mouthful to get out and we're obviously <laughs> going to explore what that yeah. actually means. But tell us uh, first things first, uh, Beth, where are you calling in from today? Yes. So I actually, you said that you live near wine country in oh, Australia. Yes. I am actually in wine country in California. So I live in Sonoma, California, which uh -huh. is, you know, you probably heard of Napa, Sonoma. Absolutely. Um, yes. It is the area that in the seventies or in Napa, at least they had the big competition against the French wines and one, which is what, you know, made of California course. wine, California wine. <laughs> <laughs> and so I live in that area. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And it's, and the town I'm in, Sonoma, is just, it's gorgeous. It's one of those places where you come to and you go, wow, it's kind of small town. And they're very intentional about keeping it that way. Oh, yeah. But, it, but you kind of go every week. It's like, I love this town more. I love it more and more all the time. And I was just talking with somebody else last night I met who's lived here about the same amount of time that we have, which is just over a year. And he said the same thing without any prompting. You know, it's really weird. I happen to like this town more and more all the time. <laughs> now, tell me, is that, you know, do you, do you still find, like I do, that there's that, I guess, that small town connection between people? Yes, very much so. Um, it's people who grew up here, you know, that's one thing too. People stay, mm -hmm. not everybody leaves. And if they go to the big city, they go to Napa, yes. <laughs> which isn't that big. But um, yeah, the, it is very small town. I like to describe Sonoma as an agricultural town with Michelin star restaurants and world-class wines. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Now, do you enjoy a drop? And if so, what drop do you enjoy? Oh my goodness. So many <laughs> drops. It's, it's so hard to say. Um, the winery that we love they have a restaurant and a tasting room in the square in sonoma square and it's called stone edge gorgeous nice. yep. beautiful wines love it there's just there's so much here um auteur wines are amazing as well mm -hmm. um, yeah there's a lot of there's over there are hundreds of wineries in this area and i will meet people and they'll say oh well when we go there we love to go to and i'm like never heard of never it never heard of it yeah now that's wonderful feedback now i often find uh, my wife and I enjoy just sitting on the roll over the rolling hills at one of the tasting places, having a lunch. Do you enjoy yes. that? What do you enjoy? Do you do? You, are you a foodie? Yes. Do you like hanging out oh. with friends, wasting the day away? <laughs> For sure, <laughs> I totally love that. Actually, my boyfriend and I—it's one of the things we love to do on the weekend. So, because we live about two and a half blocks from Sonoma Square, where a lot of tasting rooms and restaurants are. We'll just wander down there and we don't bother to get reservations anymore. <laughs> we, no. just, we just decide where do we want to go? You know, <laughs> unless it's unless it's like Stone Edge where you absolutely have to have one. But most yep. places 
like we'll go to and be like, well, we'll just show up and see we'll what happens, you know. Yeah, we'll just, you know, and it's it's it is fun that small town feel that you referred to. It's fun like where you where you start to get to know people and then you walk by mm. some place and they're like, oh hey, you know, hey, do you want a glass of wine? And then you kind of hang out with them. Yes, please. It's, it's fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. very nice, uh, nice place environment to connect with new people. That's for sure and certain. Yeah. Now, beyond yeah. doing that, do you have anything else you enjoy doing? Do you have any hobbies? Do you do anything? Oh my interesting? goodness. <laughs> A whole lot of things, yeah. <laughs> Actually, probably one of the main things um, in my life, other than my business and relationships and stuff, mm-hmm. is uh, CrossFit. So I'm a CrossFitter. I've been doing it for 13 years. I actually am a CrossFit coach as well. Okay. Yeah, tell me, what, what is CrossFit exactly? Oh, it CrossFit, I should be able to give you like the very standard definition because yes, I just took uh, my test. Uh, just took my <laughs> test a few months ago, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to do good at that. But it's, <laughs> it, it's really like it's um, it's varied movements, um, high functional like movements at um, like varied ones. You want to switch it up all of the time, yep. and it's intense. And it's intense. So you're always thinking about different systems in the body being activated and combining the activation of those systems, you know, like, so you have different kinds of systems being activated or a system being activated for like, let's say weightlifting um, versus, you know, running, doing a 400 meter run and 800 meter run, running a mile. So you want to combine all of those and you get optimal um, fitness by combining those. So. Oh, fantastic. No, well, look, that's one of the things that I think is very important for a busy business person like yourself and many others that I speak with that we talk about routine. What's a day look like for you? Are you an early riser? And, and tell us a little bit about your days. Um, my days. So when I wake up, I'm very committed to having my time in the morning where I can mm-hmm. really tune in and be connected to myself and to spirit. So I'm very, um, I have a spirituality and I want to make sure that I'm tuned in for the day. So I usually do that by going for a walk. Yep. Um, Sometimes take my journal with me. There's so much nature where I live that I get to go enjoy. Sometimes there's this beautiful eucalyptus tree. And that's one thing I love about California is the eucalyptus trees. They smell so good. And there's a huge one it is so old i would be curious to find out how many hundreds of years old yeah, it's, wow. it's so big and i go by it and it, it that makes me happy in the mornings mm, just <laughs> the like smell, to see that you tree know, eucalyptus yes. trees absolutely i know the smell you know we we love it that much we bottle it don't we so yeah. it's wonderful yeah. now tell me did do you, are you into pets do you enjoy pets um, not necessarily, not necessarily no. Not I am not person. really, I am not a pet person. Less is um, more. <laughs> I know, yes, a lot. Well, here's the thing. For over the years, I've always been such a traveler that yep. I, having a pet seemed like a cruel thing because I would be abandoning it often. <laughs> oh, no, well, look, I appreciate that. That's for sure and certain. Yeah. I love travel. Yeah. Now, where's your favorite destination? Are you, are you still looking for that destination? No, Italy, for sure. Italy, okay. Yes. What did you My like family. about it? Well, I feel at home when I go there. My mm. family um, is my dad's side. Part of it was from there. So there's just something about it. It's interesting. I just got off the phone with one of my coaching clients, and she just made her own trek back to England where she her family was originally from. And it was just amazing like what was activated in her by being there and the really cool coincidences that happened that made just energized her and i feel the same way when i go to italy like there's something 
about being there that I go, yeah, these are my people. Like I get them. They get me. (laughs) There's there's our home and then there's the real home, isn't there? Yeah. The spiritual home almost. Yes, exactly. Now tell me a little bit um, about your family. I know you talk about them. Let's go back a few years. What was life uh, like growing up with your family? Oh, goodness. So I come from a very big family. Um, My father is from a family of 11. He's the youngest of 11 children. Mm -hmm. um, It's no surprise that his parents met at church. They were Catholic, obviously. (laughs) They have 11 kids. Irish, Irish, Italian, and Catholic. (laughs) Very traditional, like kind of American story. Um, uh, They had 11 kids. I come from a family of five girls, Mm -hmm. and I am the second of the five girls. So we... I out of so because my dad is from 11, a family of 11 and of all 11 children the least amount of children any one of them had was, was four wow so so I have like 52 cousins on my oh, dad's side that's incredible yeah it is really incredible and which made for a lot of community growing up because my parents were extremely extroverted very social we were the house where people hang, hung out now, so, I, t- I tell you one thing, if I may interject, I, mm-hmm. I grew a rap, my best mate's Italian, and I tell you what, every time we would go around his places, Nuna would say, you are not leaving until you have a feed, you have something to eat. And I said, look, I've just had, I've just eaten. And every time I'd go home and I'd go to my own parents, oh, look, I'm so full, I can't eat anymore. Is that the same sort of environment that goes on in your place? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, there's so much food pushed on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have some more. Have, have some, some more. more. Just a little bit more. Now, what's your yeah. favorite meal? Do you have a favorite? Whoa. There's so many to um, choose from. You know what? I, I, my diet is a little bit different. I don't always eat Italian food unless I'm at my dad's house. Right. Um, <laughs> my, or in Italy. But um, I, you know, and I wouldn't even consider this Italian, although Italian cuisine would include this food, but one of my favorite foods is artichokes. I oh. love artichokes so much. Yeah, wow. And I've made them all different kinds of ways. Fried, stuffed, you know, boiled, <laughs> boiled, steamed. <laughs> Flipped upside down. Boiled. <laughs> I love this feedback. Great conversation we're having. Now tell me, what when you were growing up around your siblings and your parents, what's, what, what's a fond memory that you can recall that stands out for you that you often reflect on? Mm. Uh, the music. So I come from a musical family as well. Mm-hmm. And the singing, uh, no matter what was going on in our family, we always had song to bring us together. Yeah, beautiful. And that's the thing we're missing nowadays, isn't it? We're so disconnected in our environments and our families because of technology or distance through travel or whatever it might be. How important is that uh, networking uh, between the family for you? It's very important. I actually, so I live in California, but most of my family is in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. But I was just back there for two and a half weeks and it fills my love cup to go back and hang out with them. You, you seem to me to have a nice balance um, in your life. Um, that's the impression I'm getting. Now, tell me, is it important for you to step away from the business, the work that you're doing for the people that you serve and have some time for yourself and, and relax? Is that important? It's extremely important. I mean, it's important for any entrepreneur. Mm. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's important to disconnect. And I'm sure you've seen this before. I mean, there are plenty of studies out there that talk about the importance of that space you know, in our lives. And that a lot of times the 
ideas, the creativity actually gets to flow when we do the stepping away. And even though it's really tempting, especially in our very capitalistic society to just go, go, go. And there's just something that's ingrained, I know, in myself uh, from a young age of like what it means to go and and all the things that we need to do and the sense of guilt that can come up when you're not. And I've had to really practice being still, practice pulling away, even if the guilt comes up and I go, no, I need this. I I need need to to do this. Yeah. 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 So tell me, um, we're talking about entrepreneurialism. What was your first experience? Mine was washing carts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. The very first one. Yes, was probably a lemonade stand. Oh, yeah. As a kid. Classic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very yeah. typical. Now, you've, you obviously have gone a long way since the lemonade, lemonade stand. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first, I guess, your first foray into the work that you're doing? Did you have any prior businesses? Tell us a little bit, I guess, about your professional background. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I I actually had a business that I started in 2010 that mm-hmm. was a project management consulting business. Mm-hmm. And that was really my first foray into like, I'm doing nothing else and I'm it, you yep. know, yep. any money I make is up, is on me to find, figure it out. Uh, so that was a really great also very challenging, but super growth oriented experience during that time. Um, so that actually gives you a good, um, Feel that's a, for like it. a segue into yeah. my uh, past, which mm-hmm. was in technology and project management. Um, I did that for a very long time, started it in the late 90s, actually, mm-hmm. and, and then got very serious about it around 2006. Yep. Uh, when I started to, my eyes started to be open to the possibilities of what existed out there, which, you know, getting your PMP certification, which stands for project management professional, Mm -hmm. uh, started in like early 2000s, learning about what's called agile. Um, And I, I had to actually, I had to work really hard (laughs) to learn agile and to understand it. Um, because at a point I was working in a software development department and they threw me out of the department because they said they didn't need me anymore because they were doing agile. They no longer needed project managers, which we now know to be a huge fallacy. But at the time it was such a new thing and people were learning it and they didn't understand. And, um, but left that company in 2010 to start my own company. Uh, they came to me and they're like, yeah, we realize we do need you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you do, but I'm leaving. See ya. Now, now (laughs) it's interesting. You would have a very unique perspective on technology. And I'm wondering if we could just very quickly ask you a question about Mm -hmm. your view on artificial intelligence. What do you you think about that? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. It's so funny. I just heard a guy, and I cannot remember his name. I went to this really cool um, gathering in Sonoma that's called the Sonoma Valley Authors Festival, mm-hmm. and they had an expert there on AI talking about it. And I'm going to say that the impression I walked away with is we're doomed. <laughs> yeah. That was the impression I walked away with, and he really was trying to put a positive spin on it uh, by saying, you know, it really depends on how human beings use it and and yes, but, you know, I'm unfortunately also a big sci-fi geek, so um, oh. I'm, I'm a little bit colored by that perspective. I bet you are. Now, I was, I was actually <laughs> going to ask you about movies and sci-fi and that. Are you a movie sort of goer or do you like series? Both. 
Both? I do, I do both of these days, more series, um, but I do love movies. Actually, I was a film major in college, so I was in communications and film, and I started out in film in San Francisco. That was my, that was my foundation in my life, in my early 20s. I, um, I find movies to be fascinating, not only for the, for the movie itself, but for the stories, the stories that they tell. And there is obviously a very defined, well-known structure that, you know, the likes of Star Wars uses it. How important is story uh, in, the, in your line of work and telling people about experiences and that sort of oh thing? Oh, my God. It's, it's huge. I mean, story is important everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's how people connect to what we're up to. Yep. You know, that... I mean, I've been trained and taught to, you know, use your story when you're talking to potential clients, mm-hmm. you know, use your story in um, things that you write. Like in my book, my story is a huge part of the book yep. at the beginning. And I interweave it as well into some of the, um, I don't know, yeah, lessons, for lack of a better term, that yep. I share with people. Yeah, fantastic feedback. Now, you you ventured into technology um, early on in your career, but uh, there would have been some people in your life as you were growing up, I guess in those formative years that might have have left an impression on you. Who are the people in your life that, uh, you know, that have inspired you to become the person that you are today, do you think? Uh, My mother, for sure. Mm -hmm. My mother inspired me in teaching me to really think about life and also not to be scared to reach out for support and help when I needed it. And that's a huge skill to have. I've walked through some difficult times in my life and if I didn't have that skill, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would be where I am today. The fear, you know, that can be omnipresent for a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think it's a good opportunity now to talk a little bit about mindset. You've you've shifted away from the, I guess, the relative safety of a corporate structure Mm-hmm. Um, at some point in your life and you've gone out on your own. How did you manage your mindset and the self-talk during those periods of time? Yeah. Um, <laughs> which periods in particular? Uh, look, the moment that you've it. left the corporate world and you've decided oh. to go on your own. Okay. So yes, my last gig that I had, which was an amazing job actually, uh, was at Salesforce. I worked there for oh, about five years. Yep. And I did not leave that job because I didn't like it. (laughs) I left that job because I needed to pursue my passion in life. I needed to do what was next. And I knew that if I was on my deathbed and I looked back, that I would regret not having made the shift for myself. Um, I'm not going to say that it's been easy. I'm not going to say that there aren't moments when I go, why did I leave that job? (laughs) I'm not going to say any of that. That's Mm. all part of being an entrepreneur. And so that's what you're talking about is what do you do in those moments, right? Like how do yep, you yep. shift your mindset and how do you keep going? And for me, the base of a lot of it is mission. So what is my mission? What's my why or my what for? Like why am I doing what I'm doing and what do I, what do I believe in? And do I believe in it enough that it needs to continue to go forward? Because I don't want to abandon the passion. I don't want to abandon the idea that I feel in a way I've been given. Yep. And I don't know if you've ever read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, but she talks about the idea of, she talks about ideas roaming the world, looking for people to take them and, and steward them. And she gives some really interesting examples of a proof of why she says this is true. But I feel like I got a spiritual download in regard to the work that I'm doing. And it's on me 
and part of my mission in life to move that forward. Now, it doesn't mean it's always going to look exactly like it looked last year or even today, mm-hmm. but it's always evolving as I evolve um, in life. And it's evolving a little bit right now. So yes, yes. I, I think mission is really important. The other part is understanding what your definition of success is. Yep. That's super important because if you get hung up on one thing, then it may get in the way of you being able to move forward. Like if this one thing doesn't happen, right? Or it doesn't happen the way yep. I want. Yep. It's just the, the constant adaptability, the constant like belief in who you are, who I am as a person mm-hmm. and that I, that I'm worthy of the, these things happening for me in the world and for others in the world. And so, and that, and the other thing is the impact, you know, I want to make an impact. I want to change the world, um, one woman at a time. (laughs) uh, Uh, I think there's some, it's some quite relevant for me to bring up a Facebook post. I read of yours about your book recently. What Mm -hmm. it showed through for me was your willingness to change, change direction Mm -hmm. a little bit, make sure that you were living to your authentic self, because I know that the community that is around you follows you closely and they love the work that you're doing. And that was the one of the very first posts I'd ever read about you in terms of your book update. And Mm -hmm. it really struck home immediately that, hey, look, I am actually not going to rush this. I'm going to get this right, and then I'm going to release it. Tell me a little bit about the decisions <laughs> leading up to that moment. Oh, God, I'm like shaking my head because you have no idea the turmoil that I went through going through this process. <laughs> yeah. This is like, you know, in the world that I live in, which is the coach world, it's very common um, that coaches write books. And yep. the way the way that at least I have interpreted this whole process is that books are more of like a calling card or a way to make yourself credible. And, you know, you work the algorithms in Amazon and you get to be a best-selling author and you get to tell people that you're a best-selling author and it gives you credibility, right? Which helps yep. you to get clients. So that's more, uh, and obviously you're, you have a message to share as well, right? And that's mm. important. I don't want to water that part of it all no, down. No. No, no. <laughs> but but um, the other what I start, what started to happen for me is in February, I went to a conference in San Francisco called the San Francisco Writers Conference. And I went, I, I created special cards that advertised my book. I created, you know, I had printed out a few chapters of my book. Like you actually get to go to this and pitch your book to publishers, oh. to publicists, yep. to book coaches um, and get feedback. You actually practice pitching your book to groups of people if you put yourself in that position. I mean, it's very scary if you've never done it before. I can imagine public speaking. Yeah, it's very vulnerable. Mm. And so, but but a great thing. I mean, I walked away energized because you know how it is when you push yourself outside your comfort zone. It's like, whoa, I did that. That's so cool, (laughs) you know? So I talked to some people, but what what it ended up happening for me at the end was realizing that there's this, there's the whole traditional publishing world, which I hadn't really included myself in because, and I realized I had automatically excluded myself from the possibility of ever being published by a traditional publisher. And so, and the reason for it was just because, well, I'm just this small coach who, you know, and you have all these stories around it. And I thought, no, like there actually might be some other options here. So that was the first thing. And it it just blew, I didn't know what to do. Here's the other part of that. 
Yep. The messaging from a traditional publishing world is don't even bother to try to publish your book until you have more of a platform that's set up. Now that could translate to national coverage on television and magazines, newspapers. Um, it could translate to the number of followers you have combined with other things. But a lot of people say followers aren't as important, but that it's more about the coverage. And because publishers want to know, I mean, they are also in a business. And so mm -hmm. they want to know that you're going to sell a lot of books. <laughs> Makes yep, sense, yep. right? Of course, of course. Uh, and so I was so influenced by that. And I thought, okay, it really forced me to have to think about what is the reason I'm doing this book? Why am I doing it? Because I mm -hmm. don't have to listen to this. I was already on the path of self-publishing. I was very close to finishing my book, actually. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I could just keep doing that, and I can release it. Cool. Or I could do it a little differently. And the thing that put me over the edge was I have a friend who did get her book published. She's doing very well with it. It was published by um, a publisher who I think... I would not say as a hybrid, but something similar. Yep. Um, and she was kind enough to give my book to the CEO who read it along with some of her editors, and they gave me some feedback. And I was like, huh, maybe I do want to do this differently because what if I want to reach more people? What if I want my impact to be bigger? I could go ahead and publish, continue to self-publish my book in this way I am. Mm -hmm. and put it out there and it might be it might do great who knows but what if i actually get access to a distribution channel off the bat a and so one. yeah and so that's what had me think about it and my book at the time was about twenty-one thousand words mm -hmm. and i just to have a, a real published quote-unquote book it has to be sixty thousand. so i decided to go ahead and pull back and actually yep. fill my book with more stories of women who illustrate the work that I'm putting forth and also um, put more of what they asked for was more of me, more mm -hmm. of my heart. Because even though I tell my story, it wasn't coming across to people where they could really feel it in the way that they wanted to, to, be, to, to grab people in. And so I said, okay, I'm going to revisit that. I'm going to make it bigger. I'm going to try to get it like published and so that's that is where that's i it. landed that's no it. look uh, that's really um powerful feedback for anybody who's been waiting on this book because i'm sure now after hearing this they're going to be chomping at the bit as they say to get their hands <laughs> on this book now where did you come up with the name is it still the same name blow, blow up your motherhood clock finding joy with or without the baby your baby is um, that it? At, the, at this point it is yes yep um and, and just a quick aside, what I'm going to do with my current book, I've been working with a book coach right now who mm -hmm. we're taking like the, my story in the front of it, kind of pared it down. And the seven steps that I present in there, which are really my program, yeah. um, I am offering, I will offer as all that as a download to people so that people, women can benefit from the work without needing to wait for the book. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to do that as a download. Um, but otherwise it'll be it'll be bigger in the end. Well, so I'm sorry. What I can't, what was your question again? No, I just wondering if the title of the book was uh, still oh. the same. So, yeah. 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 As, as far as I know, but yep. time will tell. 
Time will tell. Now, I think it's uh, uh, an opportune time to talk about, I guess, the structure. Is the structure within the book going to be, or is it the same as your programs, your coaching programs? Tell us a little bit about what people will find, women in particular. Sure. Yeah, what they'll find is definitely what I call my the experience, the blow up the clock motherhood design experience. Mm-hmm. They will definitely find that. And there are seven um, steps. I hate to call it steps, to be honest, but it's what it's what it is. <laughs> Seven it is. steps in the experience yeah. um, that they can walk through. Um, just steps always to me sounds so um, uh, produced. Yes, produced or um, prescriptive. Yeah. You know, like it's not, do these seven steps and then you'll have no, this. Knowing, you know, knowing, your, knowing yeah. how important authenticity is for you, I can understand. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, but yeah, it starts out with under, really explaining to people what the foundation is of the book, what it's about, what I'm appealing to in that, like asking them to look at for themselves. Because yeah. this part of our lives as women this motherhood, what I call the motherhood story. And the motherhood story exists for anyone who has the potential to be a mom. And the motherhood story starts when, as I say, as I define it, at the moment we became conscious in our lives that we could someday be a mom. So for me, for example, when I was three years old, my baby sister came home from the hospital and I remember the excitement that I felt that I would get to hold her. And I remember my mom going, okay, you have to sit on the couch. Cause of course she, I was too young. You want me to drop her. <laughs> so she's like, you have to sit on the couch and hold her and then you can hold her. And I just remember how thrilling that was for me. And I think that was like a moment of consciousness for me that I could someday be a mom. Now, here's the thing. I was never the kind of girl that played with dolls. I was out doing sports all the time, yep. you know? Yep. And so, but that stuck with me. And I say that the motherhood story starts at that moment. And then along the way, like with anything in life, we develop myths, assumptions, stories, interpretations around something. And we do the same thing with motherhood. And so in this day and age, it's very different. In the past, people, it just, we kind of took motherhood for granted, right? It just happened. Mm. Well, now that's not how we see motherhood. We have a, a very different view of what it is to become a mom in our world and so it's very there's much more intentionality around it it's a decision but what ends up happening is a lot of women put it off put it off i call it next year syndrome (laughs) they just keep putting it off putting it off because it's so overwhelming and so scary that they don't want to do anything with it um but i'm gonna get back to my original point i talk about the whole idea of motherhood as being there's almost like this um, hidden source of power inside of us that when we really look at the messages that we're carrying around motherhood and we do the inside work to clear them, to bring forgiveness in areas where we need to forgive, then it opens us up to incredible things starting to be unleashed in our life. I, I see it, there's a woman right now in my program she just started, right? She's just made that decision for herself to do the work. And already she's got incredible things starting to happen in her life. So here's the picture that I use that might help people to understand. Yep. I think of like, if you thought of life as like a circle, 
I like to think of it as an oval for whatever reason, but, and then <laughs> around that oval are like rooms and each of those, the doors to each room represent a different part of our life, like maybe romantic relationship, career, right? Now there's a door for motherhood as well. And it's a door that we tend to just not look at, but consider the fact that when you go into any of those rooms, those rooms don't exist independently. Those rooms are connected in the, from the, in the back to all of the other rooms. So when we don't pay attention to one part of our lives, it affects others, right? You've heard this before, yep. I'm sure. Yep. And, but the thing is, we don't realize that there's a door called motherhood that we want to actually go in, that open and a room to go into and work to do around it. Because, and then when we do, you know, I've heard women say, wow, I, this really affected how my business is going. This affected my romantic relationship like things start to open up and you start to find a freedom which is why i use the word freedom power and joy all the time because there is a freedom you find there is power that you gain and then you find more joy in all of that that's wonderful feedback again thank you so very much now when you do uh, uh introduce yourself to a uh, a new person that might become a client what is the i guess how do you meet them where they are how do you find where their mindset is at the moment yeah that's a great question I have a couple of things. Uh, one's a tool and, well, I guess they're both tools. Uh, one is um, an assessment that they can take and mm. it just gives them some insight into different areas where maybe they haven't been looking, you know? So they like, do you know anything about your fertility? Do you know anything about your body? Like, do you, what do you understand and how are you taking care of your body? Like that would mm. be an area. How are you taking care of your mindset? You know, do you, do you talk, do you talk about having a child or your dream of that with somebody? Do you talk about um, your fears around that with somebody? Uh, we tend to not, it's just this very silent topic. You know, there's mm -hmm. more of it now for sure. There's definitely more narrative going on. Um, that narrative I see is about things like, you know, freezing your eggs, um, yeah, that's usually it. Like, how do I get the insurance? How do I, um, how do, do I want to be a mom? It's usually, do I want to be a mom and I should freeze my eggs for insurance? Those are the things yeah, I wow. hear a lot, a lot about. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you talk much about, uh, single parenthood? Um, or the fear thereof? I, I, I offer. So part of my program is I do a bunch of interviews with different kinds of mothers. Mm -hmm. So a, a partnered mom, uh, a single mom by choice. Yep. A um, a woman uh, who is a mom by adoption, and then someone who's a bonus mom or stepmom, right? Yep. So I give them the opportunity to hear other people's stories, like empowered stories. So that because there's a lot of the narrative I hear, and I just had somebody say this to me today like I just hear a lot of you know it's terrible it's so hard you know that's all that I ever hear and no one gets to hear the good stories they just hear all the, the complaining <laughs> you know and yeah. there's there are people who are like having really amazing experiences because they're not one they were they really allowed themselves to create what they wanted and two they don't see motherhood as a detraction of from their life but as an enhancement to their life and that's a mindset shift that again we are not taught and 
when women get that, it's like, oh, I can do this how I want. And what happens in my program is they walk away with a sense of ownership. Like I can own this. Like I don't, I'm not a victim to all these narratives that I've heard since I was growing up or that I hear in the media, but I get to create this how I want. There are so many different kinds of ways that people are parents. Yes, you are in control of your own destiny, as it were. Now, in terms of, I guess, your coaching program, what's the modus operandi? Do you do it online? Do you do it face-to-face? Is it in a group or is it one-to-one? How do you deliver it? It's a group. It's in a group or I also do it one-on-one. It depends, Mm -hmm. you know, on what somebody wants. But we do it in a group setting so that the women can have community and hear one another talk. Because, again, we don't talk about it so much so or have spaces to do it with one another. So I create a space for them so that they can hear what the other women are saying and not feel alone and go, oh, okay, yeah. Or get ideas about things they hadn't even thought about themselves. So actually, I want to go back to your your other question about how do I get into their mindset. So I Mm -hmm. do something as well called a motherhood clarity call, and I ask them a ton of questions about how they're relating to that helps to reveal, I should say, how they're relating to their motherhood story. So things like, you know, on a scale of one to five, you know, how okay are you with missing motherhood? You know, how like motherhood um, will complete me or motherhood gives me a sense of belonging in the world, like those types of questions. And then they rate them and I ask them other open-ended questions and it just starts to paint a picture of how they're relating to this part of their life. Yes, that's great. Look, at it's there are certainly processes behind all of this. Now, we've only really just scratched the surface of some of the work that you do. But in yeah. closing this wonderful call, tell me, how does it make you feel when you see that transformation from when a woman comes to you and becomes a completely new person after working it's, with you? It's amazing. It's, to- it's totally amazing. I mean, I get goosebumps you know at times i actually we've had the first baby born of a woman who went through the program so that was so cool i got to go to her um her baby shower and amazing yeah it was so so fun you know to watch people get it. it it's just it's it's cool there is a brave new world out there in front of uh, everybody who's on the call today. If you want to learn more, certainly reach out to Beth. Mm-hmm. Now, Beth, when people want to touch base with you and start the process for themselves, where do they go and find you? Where are their best locations? Well, you can start at BethRavelliCoaching.com, which I know is probably difficult to spell. But <laughs> 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 yeah, it's Beth, R-I-V as in Victor, E-L-L-I, Coaching.com. Or you yep. can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, I'm on all of those social media platforms. That's probably the best way. Um, on yeah. all the standard channels, you'll definitely mm-hmm. find Beth. And again, that uh, URL is BethRevelliCoaching.com. Don't worry about spelling it. I'll make sure there's a clickable <laughs> link below this post, no matter awesome. where you see this wonderful call. I hope you've enjoyed it because I've enjoyed it. Now, if you are in this position where you want to learn more, again, visit BethRevelliCoaching.com. And Beth, thank you so very much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much, Rick. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate it.